Hello, and welcome to the Webtoon Room Podcast. I'm Will. And I'm Crudy. And today, we're here to talk about Purple Hyacinth Season 1. Let's get started. Let's talk about it. I'm excited. I love this webtoon. Me too. I love this one a lot. Yeah, this was the first one that we actually kind of dissected and analyzed or at least talked about together before we even started any podcast. I was just a friend recommending Purple Hyacinth uh, to to Will and he read it and then we talked about it and I was like, this is so good. Yeah, pretty much how it went down. I was like... <laughs> wait, this is really, really good, and I want to know what happens. Wait, that's it? There's only 50 chapters out at the time? This was only season one, of course. Or 48 chapters, excuse me. No, 49, I think? I think there's a QA. and a Anyway. Well, yeah, something. 50-ish chapters. 50-ish. Something along those lines. But, man, season one took me for a trip, and I'm so excited about season two. I... I'm a little scared to even think about what's to come, honestly. <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> this is a webtoon with a, a lot of ups and downs. Um, but yeah, I mean, we should probably actually start talking about it and analyzing it. But where do we want to begin? It is a pretty plot-heavy webtoon, but for me the webtoon really centers around the core relationship between Lauren and Kieran. It really doesn't focus too much on their side characters, to be honest. They, they've got some interesting, some really weird, you know, quirky side characters, but it really is about Lauren, Kieran, their relationship, uh, the main four, you know, and then Will and Kim. And then there's some side, you know, machinations and plot um, Phantom Scythe has not... Individual characters from Phantom Scythe have, have creeped out. You know, like Belladonna is kind of a character. Tim Sake is coming into his own as a character as well. He's featuring sometimes in flashbacks. But Phantom Scythe uh, has not shown themselves too much. They've more, been more of a hovering presence so far. Yeah, they're almost more like a force of nature kind of villain because we just really don't still don't know too much about them um and you know it is nice that they're like shadowy and evil in the background but there's it's starting it's starting to come out towards the end of season one yeah it is and i think this is something that is going to feature a lot more in season two um you're right they're they're definitely kind of more in the shadows we don't really even know anyone's name we don't know who anyone's identity who they are just we have the overall structure for the evil organization with the leader at the head, the, um, I believe, seven apostles now? Yes, seven. Seven apostles of, you know, th- the original 13 apostles that they had. So we just have titles, basically. We don't even have anything, um, any identity to really hold on to, which does make me wonder, how does the Phantom Scythe get anything done? Like, that... if no one knows who anyone is, it. I mean... I can understand relying on like a shadow organization or on the terror that like an unknown identity provides, but 
how does anything get done? How how do you know when you walk into a bar that like the bartender isn't like one of your fellow compatriots? Like I, I don't know. I have no idea. I guess the only bar they go to is the Grim Goblin. I mean, yeah, it must be. Like, or just they all hang out in Grey Chapel, and they're like, "All right, these are my people." You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really strange. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> we should go to. Um, let Let's talk about Lauren and Kieran uh, because their relationship really drives the story and the plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should start with Lauren. Uh, she is the the main character, like the mainest of main characters, if you know what I yes. mean. <laughs> Ultimate main. <laughs> Everything's focused on her. We get her. We get her backstory. We get her mm-hmm. perspective on most events. So she is the most important character, and she's, yes. ar- I'd argue, actually the most interesting because even though we know the most about her, there's still a lot we don't know what she'll do when she like does uncover the truth about things. And that I think is the really, really key draw for, at least for me. Mm -hmm. She, uh, I wouldn't say she's a loose cannon, but she, she's a bit of an unknown variable Mm -hmm. in some ways. Um, Because she's obviously very smart. She's very competent. She's very intelligent and very, I would say also compassionate, but very emotional as well. And she carries a lot of emotion inside of her, um, which makes sense with her backstory and her history with Dylan and with the guilt, the all-consuming guilt that she carries um, from the events of the Allendale train bombing. It makes perfect sense. Um, And she is not an extroverted type of character to begin with, but to go through all of this you know, pain and guilt and and trauma, it's, she is wound up tightly, for sure. And and sometimes it it takes over, right? She is usually very rational, but sometimes she either acts out, not because she can't really control herself, but she lets, you know, the, 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 the quest for truth, the quest for wanting to know what happens, whether it's revenge, which we should talk about later, whether it's revenge or a selfish desire. Um, but, yeah, she she can go off the rails and it gets her in trouble for sure. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because as a reader, you know, obviously we're on the other side of it. We're like, Lauren, come on. This is dangerous. You know, like with the whole when she discovered the photograph in Anslow's uh, possessions and when they're, you know, the police are coming, they're knocking down the door practically. And Kieran's like, hey, we got to go. We finished our stuff um, because they cannot be caught as loon. Um it was so nerve-wracking to be on the opposite side of that. So you're on the opposite side of that. You're seeing all that happen. And you're like, Lauren, come on. What are you doing? Get and we, it together. Yeah, exactly. And we don't know the full information in that moment either. We don't understand why she's reacting the way she is. But for her, it's just a fully raw emotional experience. And it's, yeah, she's a character that... W- we we have been given insight into, but she does not let us... We've been led into her mind, but she does not let us into her heart very easily. Mm-hmm. And I think even her heart is not very open after, you know, 10 years of this. I remember the episode where she had that dream about Dylan. She said, I don't like happy dreams because it reminds me of something I can't feel anymore. So she's a little numb, too. Mm-hmm. 
I think that does it for the lore in half. We should get into Kieran. Wait, let's talk about also the beginning of the storyline and how her partnership with Kieran happens. Um, and then also his introduction. Because I think it, it's important to talk about how they meet and how they connect and why Lauren even agrees to partner up with Kieran, who is the purple hyacinth. He is not only an assassin for the Phantom Scythe, he is the most notorious, dreaded assassin criminal um, in Ardalis for the last seven years. Yep. The baddest, maybe yes. not the most gruesome, but definitely the baddest, evilest, at least in the public eye, at least. I mean, he's done enough things to, you know, make people, make Lauren think that. So, com- yep, he he's done some really horrible acts of murder. <laughs> he's a murderer. Which he continues to do in the story. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoiler alert. If that wasn't he- obvious enough. <laughs> he continues to be a murderer. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's definitely... Uh, he and Lauren are on the opposite sides of the moral spectrum for sure. So it's, it's a fascinating tension that develops between them. But anyway, so they meet because Lauren is chasing him because he has just killed two people. He was targeted to kill them by the Phantom Scythe and he's running away. And they have this whole really cool chase sequence in episode, I think two in the one early episodes. And Lauren catches up to him. They have a fight. And Kieran, this is where it gets interesting and speculation about their relationship sort of begins because Kieran could easily have cut her down and kill her in that moment, but he hesitates. And they end up in an exchange with one another um, where Lauren and Kieran find out that they both have similar motivations in taking down the Phantom Scythe and taking down the leader specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, And Lauren has the ability, by the way, to detect lies. So she knows that he is telling the truth. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating exchange. And nothing is ever the same after that night. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Do you want to talk about your analysis of the beginning of their relationship? Sure. There's always the the big question, though. Did Kieran do this deliberately to seek out Lauren? Because he is in the cafe in during Lauren's kind of not so good date, shall we yeah. say? Yeah, yeah. Um, and totally. so, is this deliberate? Probably, if he's conveniently in the same location. Um, what are his motivations for teaming up with her specifically? That still remains a mystery. It's interesting because I thought about that too. Um, did he approach her deliberately in some regard? Um, his explanation for proposing the deal to her to team up and get the Phantom Scythe on both sides of the law, essentially from the inside and also from the side of the police. How much of that was concocted specifically with her in mind, how much of it was concocted needing a general police informant. And I do believe him when he, because he seemed pretty nonchalant in the beginning of like, no, I need a pet. You know, I need a, I need someone on the inside in the police to, you know, work with me. But at the same time, um, I think it's a, I think it's a little bit of a mix of the truth because he did recognize her 
um that's and that's how i interpreted that panel when he didn't kill her when he just when he was able to look at her full face and he stopped he something in him recognized her so she is she was a figment a feature of his past in some way we don't know what yet um but did he approach her deliberately i'm not sure it it could be but i also think that he was would have made he would have tried to secure a partnership like this even without her being a cop mm-hmm. but they do end up teaming up which it's a fascinating shift to watch Lauren go from just complete being to watch Lauren go from being completely incredulous as if you know why how why would I partner with someone like you you're a dreaded assassin you're a murderer you're a monster um to being open to and and kind of hating herself for it but still seeing it as a a necessary evil or or something as a means to an end Mm-hmm. that they both desire and they both can work with um it's very it's it's a fascinating shift and i think the episode where that happens is when the phantom scythe um member is in the square and he is doing his whole kind of speech presentation about the Phantom Scythe and sowing discontent and sowing chaos among the general public. And Tristan Sinclair, Lauren's uncle, has to come out and placate everyone, calm everyone down, assure, reassure them. That was the switch that I think turned in her brain where she's like, they can just do this without anyone getting caught and and her helplessness is is exacerbated by her own ability to detect these lies and to detect things but uh, unless she has any outside proof or any outside facts to back it up to back up her her um knowledge she cannot act on anything and it's that helplessness that i think um leads her to ultimately take up that alliance with karen she definitely feels guilty about it at first, going, why didn't I just turn him in? This is the purple hyacinth. What the heck? What am I doing? Yeah. You know, despite that, though, they have a really interesting and and fun bond, dare I say. They there's This is a, an example of a webtoon that its subject matter is very serious, and it is, um, it is heavy sometimes tonally. But there's a lot of surprising levity, uh, joking, um, laughs, and and Lauren and Karen, despite having this just inherent tension in their relationship, they tease each other quite a lot. Karen teases. um, He's more of an extroverted kind of lighthearted individual. Not lighthearted. He's not lighthearted. But he He has this sense of humor. Yeah. And um, Lauren, you know jokes back or she you know kind of plays they have an interesting banter in play Mm -hmm. um and so it's fascinating to see that develop and even just continue to grow um as their trust in each in in each other increases um yeah they they start as partners in crime yes turn i know kind of it's strange it's hard to describe They, they kind of morph into 
it kind of turns more into like a buddy cop kind of dynamic but there's still like the very black and white situation of Kieran is a serial murderer and Lauren is a actual cop yeah but you're right I think what they do what they end up doing that both of them don't anticipate and they're both I think pushing away or not welcoming is the sense of intimacy that they feel with one another and that they develop with one another and it it develops in small ways um because first they have the different stages of the relationship with you know the teasing and developing the comfort and the banter and then once um lauren learns a little bit more about kieran's moral compass and his own sort of internal code he only kills a when he is ordered to and b when when it is the last and only option and her hearing that and and her learning even other things about him um it just paints him as a human more and more of a human and less of a you know purple hyacinth the monster in the beginning he she doesn't even call him by his name really she just calls him like the purple hyacinth or you should they don't really refer to each other's name he calls her officer um so there's distance but towards the middle to the end they they start calling each other by their names and it, it it's just a, a symbol of their increasingly intimate relationship mm-hmm. and it takes some time for them to warm up too it's not like overnight but uh over the course of a couple events and I even get this moment because it's from both sides, by the way. It's not one one from the other. Kieran like even questions himself, like, "Why did I take her here?" When he brings her back to her apartment after she gets injured, um, he, he, Kieran's like, "What am I doing?" And Lauren's also like, "What am I doing?" Why Why am I here? Yeah, because he has never brought anyone else to his apartment before. It's a very intimate thing. She is sleeping in his bed. In fact, in she sleeps. Clothes. Exactly. <laughs> She's sleeping in his bed in his clothes. And she sleeps better in his bed than she does even in her own bed. She doesn't even sleep in her own house. What, what, what are you saying here, recruiting? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they're getting close, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> close. <laughs> um, and that's what makes episode 43 hurt all the more. Man, yeah. Ugh. I, for the record, I could go on and on and gush and talk about all the different ways that Lauren and Karen get close. I don't know if we want to hear that, <laughs> but I could. Um, their dancing scene, which I loved because I I dance as well, so it was it was great to see. Also beautifully drawn, by the way. Beautifully drawn. This is a beautiful webtoon. Just really really good art and everyone in the webtoon by the way is just inhumanly beautiful yeah and it's all pretty amazing hair moving on <laughs> <laughs> yeah no let's get let's get back to lauren and kieran um but they have so many great moments and so many moments even before kieran brings lauren to his apartment where they get emotionally close i think for me some of the standout one of the standout moments was after their stakeout with blakesley where they were targeting blakesley and lauren was stuck in a fight with one of blakesley's goons and kieran killed the man 
to save Lauren's life. And after that, they were in the cave. They were patching up their wounds. She was helping him with his bandages. It was very well drawn scene. Um, and that was that moment where she honestly offers something to him. He doesn't ask for thanks. He doesn't ask for anything. He just was taking care of his partner. And she says, thank you. I owe you my life. And that conversation then that they have after that, that intimacy in that conversation alone, because they're just so much more vulnerable. Um, she explains to him how it works, you know, her lie detector ability. And he explains some of the background of his own moral code and how he's come to develop that and why he lives by the way he does. And that emotional honesty in that just opened them up so much closer to each other. Um, and after that, I, I, I don't think that Kieran would have been able to bring Lauren to his apartment if they had not had that exchange. Mm-hmm. But yes, anyway, um, moving on. All of this emo- emotional intimacy, the authors do this really well where they build it up. Um, and, you know, by the time we get to episode 43, they, Lauren and Kieran, she calls him a monster in episode two during their first meeting. Um and the difference between his reaction then versus episode 43, when she confronts him after the brutal murders of everyone in the tower. Yeah. It's very telling of how how close they've let each other in. Yeah. Let's talk about episode 43, because a lot of a huge shift happened it was like an explosion honestly for the fandom i know oh my god that everything about that episode it was so good it was so good but it hurt so much oh my god like it just the pain levels skyrocketed and i know that every fan of every purple hyacinth fan after that episode was just sobbing their guts out yeah uh it was it was really it was it was a lot And there's a lot to unpack. Yeah. It was definitely painful to read, but it was, how to say, important? It touched on important things that are going to have to be addressed later, which, um, do you want to talk a little bit about your analysis of that episode and also um, the interactions between Lauren and Kieran and, and kind of some of the fallout and all of that yeah this was a conversation that was going to happen at some point it's better that it happened now rather than later uh no one wishes it was as painful as it was but it was and so here we are it was an inevitable exchange what do you think what do you think this says about kieran in that not just how bothered he gets by the word monster, but also how he hears it and then starts to He's fully internalize unhinged. it, embody yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, monster is definitely a very triggering word for him. It, it, it just, even in episode two when Lauren mentions it, 
you could kind of see it take him to a dark place for a second. He played it off, but this time it's coming from a person that he is much closer to. Um, their relationship has evolved. They've trust, they trust each other. They're, they have this, like this built up of tension, sexual tension amongst just general, like aggressive tension. And even this moral tension of them being on two sides of the law. Um, he, but the thing with Kieran is that he was defensive even before, even before she said the word monster. And yeah. he he did not tell her that he had to go and and basically make this kill. Well, multiple kills. Multiple kills. Yes. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have the, he didn't <sighs> tell her about that assignment that he he was given, which I wonder. You know, we can talk about maybe his motivations for doing that because I I don't necessarily think his motivations for not sharing it were solely because he didn't want her to see or I don't know we'll, we'll go into it but he was defensive from the get-go when Lauren came into the cave and she was furious from the get-go uh, when she came into the cave so they were already kind of on an on a bad foot of just not being open and listening to one another they were not open to each other in any way shape or form nope. um, he was he was making dark jokes um, he was kind of being sarcastic and quippy um, and she was just full on, like emotionally raging, um, a little bit like her emotions were, you know, in full force. And I think Kieran, what it says about him is that he is just very, he is trying to protect himself. He can feel how close that he's already gotten with her. It's a little scary. I don't know if he has ever gotten that close with anyone, to be honest, um, or especially even in a long time. Um, and if he's gotten that close to people before, it's come back to hurt him yeah, in whatever way, shape or form. And so I think closeness with other people is not a happy thing or it's not an anticipatory thing. So he is pushing back. He's pushing away from her, from everything hard and so he's already defensive and when lauren says the word monster when she calls him a monster he becomes fully unhinged and yeah. and just is becomes <sighs> i don't want to use any harmful like psychological language but he he is not in his right mind he behaves very harmfully and and he is incredibly aggressive and he ends up inflicting a lot of um, trauma. Yeah. With his actions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And then I think at some point he becomes grounded and he he kind of throws her her motivations back at her. How she is a hypocrite because she... I do believe that Lauren does care about the murders just in general and just about it being like a horrific thing to do. But specifically she is disappointed also by Anslo and the fact that she won't get her answers from him now. Yeah. So those are my thoughts on Kieran. He, oh, that boy. I just want them both to go to therapy, to be honest. <laughs> they need uh, it. Yeah. Do you, you mentioned this earlier a little bit, how she comes in furious. And I, I wanted to circle back a little bit 
to talk about kind of Lauren's motivations. Do you think she's motivated to hunt down Phantom Scythe because of the guilt she feels? Or because she's seeking the truth? Or that she wants revenge? Yeah, or is it a mix a... of... Yeah. All three? Mm-hmm. I... It is a mix of all three, but it's a good question to think about which one is the prevailing emotion or prevailing motivator. Um, And I asked the question because she comes into his cave furious. Is it because she doesn't have a piece of the puzzle to find out who Fantasmith is? Is it because she can't find out the truth or is it because of her personal vendetta? Yeah, we should parse all of this out because Anslow is connected to something, that picture that Anslow found is connected not only to um, the Allendale train bombing, which I think is a symbol for just the overwhelming guilt that she feels. Um, Her quest for truth is centered around Dylan and her parents, I think. Or not even necessarily her parents, but now it involves her parents, now that she knows that her parents were sort of um, possibly... You know, targeted. targeted to die, yes. Um, so I think her quest for truth and her guilt are deeply intertwined. I think her the quest for truth has, has had its edges dulled a little bit just because of the course of time. And the longer um, time runs, the less likely she may be able to get some answers, certain answers. But I think her guilt is still in full force, especially from what we saw in the finale, um, when we finally saw the truth and the f- full backstory of the Allendale train bombing, Dylan, everything. And everything just makes so much more sense about Lauren. Revenge, I would say, is probably ranked third. Because mm-hmm. Lauren is not a... I think she has more prevailing motivators than revenge, even though it's a component. Um, She also seems, while she is emotional, she is logical and rational enough to not let the promise of revenge compromise other, you know, morals or beliefs. I, I think I have a more cynical take. I believe she's fairly selfish, actually. She... I think she is trying to get redemption for herself because of the immense amount of guilt she feels, which is why she lashes out in anger. It's not mm. just frustration. It, it's full on almost rage, right? If it was uh, just, you know, the quest for truth and she couldn't get answers, she would be like probably a bit frustrated, but I don't think she would get so mad to yell to like confront Kieran so aggressively. It's personal. Yeah. yeah. It's very personal that's sort of my take on it she's very guilt driven and that's why she kind of suppresses a lot of her other emotions too i think i can see that and i would agree with that as well um and i think your take explains you're right how angry and how personal she got um with her confrontation in the cave with karen yeah and and we know she has a history of this too you know this is the reason why she's no longer a detective she let it get really personal does that make her a an effective cop that she has this baggage that she has this these hang-ups and 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 should she be allowed back as a detective like is this something that she has 
understanding of or control over? That is a great question. I think she'd be good as a detective, but she definitely does carry too much personal package. So it's hard to call. I totally understand that police's decision to remove her as a detective definitely takes it too far. But her heart's in the right place, but what she actually does doesn't always match. Right. I think she is definitely very competent. But her episode with Tim Sake, right before, I think a couple episodes or one episode before the finale, it showed that she has not, she's still the same. Whenever, when she's confronted with the same, you know, factors, uh, potential, you know, triggers for this, these emotions, she still plays into them in the same way. And and that's not to say that her emotions are not valid, but when it comes to being able to put them aside or or even um, emotionally reconcile them when she's handling a case as a detective, I don't think she is at that point yet. I'm curious if she realizes this, and this is part of the reason why she chose to work outside of the law to try and progress with finding the Phantom Scythe leader. I don't know if that's necessarily a strong motivator. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it is or if it isn't. I think her motivation for teaming up with Kieran and working outside of the law is a more of a function of her own feelings of frustration and helplessness with going nowhere within the law. And maybe perhaps a feeling of solidarity, if you can say that, finding somebody who has the same motivation that she does, who is working towards the same goal, perhaps she feels some kind of solidarity, even if she doesn't like it and she she may, maybe even despises that, but she finds, she and Kieran find some kind of weird home with each other. It feels like it's a part of uh, each person's character that they can't really share with anyone else. I mean, we don't know it right. from Kieran's point of view, but we do know it from Lawrence. She can't really talk about this obsession with anybody. Everyone just kind of writes her off. They think mm-hmm. she's just, she needs to let go or right. try to move on. Well, I mean, of course, I, it makes perfect sense that Kieran can't talk about it with anybody because he's in the Phantom Scythe. <laughs> <laughs> so, that would definitely be a deterrent. Yeah, it's a little weird to say, hey, I really I want to off our leader. <laughs> I Can just I need to that? get. Uh, I, you have to come back next Tuesday. <laughs> Just need to get that off my chest, you know? (laughs) Okay, we're cool now? Yeah, we're cool. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Therapy session. Phantom Scythe therapy. Probably Uh, the worst kind of... Oh, they really do. But Phantom Scythe, don't go to the Phantom Scythe for therapy. Um, Uh, I don't trust their... Their therapists are very biased and... uh, References. They'll go rogue. (laughs) (laughs) I'm scared of what that therapy would look like. We're getting off topic. Anyway. (laughs) Um... Yeah, I their relationship is interesting and it's fascinating and I'm really I'm really interested to see where we'll go he, from here in season 2. A couple of episodes are out but not enough really to understand like where their dynamic is going to go. Um because where we're, we've left off in season 1 is Karen and Lauren are they're not talking to each other. They haven't really talked to each other or interacted since the horrible cave explosion in episode 43 
Um, that sounds like it literally happened, but you know what I mean. The emotional explosion. Yes. Um, in episode 43, they have not interacted or talked since. And Kieran now is in her office as a spy. So she has to come face to face with him. She has to interact with him. And and he has to interact with her. And the leader is now after Loon. And that's Kieran's next assignment is to find Loon and kill him. And they expect results. They do. They ain't screwing around. I know. And Kieran always delivers, doesn't he? He's proven time and again to be reliable. So we'll have to see what happens there it's left them in quite the bind ah the downsides of being too good at your job i know (laughs) under promise over deliver let's talk about dylan yeah he is a major motivator yeah is for lauren is he alive is he dead what what's your current theory critty yeah i know i've got a lot of different thoughts and questions uh about who dylan is i know okay so let's tackle the popular one first that kieran is dylan we see dylan's face he has silver hair he has kind of gray eyes kieran has according to sophism dark 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 blue hair um very dark hair nearly black and bright blue eyes so Appearance-wise, they do have the same eyebrows, um, and their face structure could potentially be same, similar. It's hard because we saw we see Dylan as a sort of a middle schooler and Kieran as an adult. We don't know what Kieran looked like as a kid around the same time. So it's possible that his hair could have been a different color. It is possible colored contacts... It would set up the story for some interesting things and, and some really great tension for Lauren, especially because Dylan is this person that she is, is this close friend that not only did she love him, but his death or what she thinks of as his death, because nobody, no death. We don't know. Nothing has been proven yet. Um, we only ever saw his hat. His passing and the bombing has been a key motivator for Lauren and a key source of guilt. It's just, it's one of the reasons why emotionally she has not been able to move on or reconcile anything in the last 10 years. For Kieran and everything Kieran represents and everything Kieran is a part of, to be Dylan would set up a very rich conflict. Right. So in that way, I think that arc makes sense, and I think it would set up a lot of meaningful um, conflict, and and it would it would be very difficult for Lauren. It would just be really great story wise, and for the char- emotions of the characters. Um, it is also cliche, and I know it's what a lot of people may expect. I don't necessarily expect this. I think the story is going to be a little smarter than this. Um, I don't necessarily expect Kieran to turn out to be Dylan. I do currently think that he may have known Dylan, which is why he may have recognized Lauren. Um, But I don't know necessarily that he is Dylan. And if he does turn out to be Dylan, my wish, personally, would be for the story to be handled in such a way where um, we don't see it coming from a mile away. 
or if the revelation should happen, it should be sort of a reveal like 45 is, where it comes at its most impactful for the story. And as long as that would be handled intelligently, which I have full faith in, in the authors to be to do, they seem to have a good grip on um, these character trajectories and the relationships so far. So that would be my wish. Um, I I think it would be a little cliche if he did turn out to be Dylan. Uh, I don't know that Dylan is alive. That That's kind of an interesting question. I think I could go either way. I think the story would be impactful if he does turn out to be dead, if he did turn out to die, if not in the bombing, but later on. Um, for of another cause, but I would be curious to see where the story goes if he does turn out to be alive or if he does turn out to be Kieran. It it will be interesting to see. So, no hardcore theories, but lots of possibilities. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on a lot of uh, a lot of this. I think I think it makes the most sense that Kieran knew Dylan. Is Dylan alive? My guess is no. It would be a real big twist if he was, I'd actually say. But again, no body, no death. We'll see. We won't. It's not final until it's final. So we'll just have to see where that goes. But I do think regardless of where, what direction the story takes, it will be emotionally devastating for Lauren. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Kim. There's been some hints for her. Oh my... All right, let's just ask the uh, the obvious. Is she at all related, Phantom Scythe? I wonder. She's clearly hiding some stuff. She lies to Lauren about, you know, relating to the pocket watch. And she has some ghosts in her closet, for sure. I don't know if she's a spy or if she's working with them in another capacity. I don't know. Do you think she would have it in her? I think so. She is not shy about keeping secrets. Mm-hmm. Or at the very least, omitting... Truths. Yeah. She does outright lie, though. But And interestingly, she is, apart from Kieran, the only other person in the webtoon who knows about Lauren's ability that we know of. She makes direct references to it, and Lauren seems to trust and feel comfortable with her to the point that she shared that knowledge or kim found out because kim is very smart she's very astute and she's now in a position i know i'm segueing into something else here but you know kim's now in a position where she and will have been charged with spying on their fellow colleagues which that's a whole other bucket of worms i get the impression that kim knows or suspects who loon is in the police department i think she's astute enough to pick up that Lauren has been acting a little differently. More so and than normal. Sleeping even less than less she than normally usual. does. <laughs> this is kind of getting back into speculation, but do you think Kim will find out Lauren's identity? In secret? I yeah. I think that I can see that coming down the pipe. Yeah. I can see that happening, and I can see that leading to some some greater conflict, because Kim, um, I think it would add some nice conflict to her relationship with Will, 
because they've been building up the Kim and Will ship as well, which the, Kim and Will are super cute uh, when they bicker. I really like their uh, dynamic as well. Both Lauren, th this is a webtoon full of bickering ships, Lauren and Karen and, <laughs> and Kim and Will. It's very cute. Um, but Will is a little bit, he gives me a little bit of Harvey vibes because he tells the truth. He doesn't lie. But he's, he's hiding a lot. He is kind of like Lauren in that he keeps everything closed in, close to the vest. So I don't know if Will is a personality that we'll see involved in any Phantom Scythe-related thing either. But I could also see Will as being sort of the straight man to all of the, not shenanigans, but everything happening around him. I feel like it would lead to some rich conflict if Kim did find out about Lauren. So... Mm -hmm. We'll just have to see. There's a couple of characters about that I'm actually really curious about in terms of their relationship with Phantom Scythe as well. Because if there's something we know from Phantom Scythe, it's that they've got spies everywhere. Their network is huge. So, I don't know. Tristan Sinclair is another person that's kind of hidden some buttons for me. Yes. What do you think? Tristan... We don't know much about him. No, we don't. We we have some suspicious frames or suspicious panels of him where he kind of right. looks on ominously. Um, but we don't really know. I mean, he's the police chief, so he could be in the Phantom Scythe pocket. He may not be. Um, there is one interesting connection. He is related to, he is, you know, Lauren's uncle. So he's related to her parents who we learn later were sacrificed, or at least they knew, Phantom Scythe knew that they were going to die. Right. right. So is there a familial connection there? Is that how this was all arranged, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, the other thing that kind of ticked me off um, as being not exactly suspicious, but it was just interesting for me, during Tristan's speech uh, that he makes in the square when everybody is kind of running away not running away sorry when everyone is enthralled um and and there's just a lot of hubbub being set off by this phantom scythe member um who's masquerading as the member of the general public and tristan comes in in his speech he never actually states that specifically that phantom scythe must be brought down he says things like that criminal organ organization must be brought down um and he uses other kind of descriptive language that it, it does not register to lauren as a lie when you know if and it's 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 some of those workarounds and we're not sure yet by the way if tristan knows about lauren's ability or not but it's 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 some of those workarounds that Kieran employs in his um, language to Lauren in episode forty three, where it's it's working around that you know it's stating things as questions or he's saying that criminal organization he may not be talking about Phantom Scythe even even though everyone assumes he is he could be talking about the monarchy. True. So. It's it's just one of those things that it's subtle, but it just made me ask some questions about him. And then, of course, his tie-ins with Lauren and then, you know, the suspicions of, you know, Lauren's parents' deaths and everything like that. And, of course, you know, chief of police, he's in a position of power. It would make sense. Um, yeah, another 
uh, some other characters I'm I have questions about. <laughs> I have a lot of questions, but <laughs> we all do. We all all do. The butler and Mrs. A. They're they're weird ones. They're great. I I love having them in every in in the panels that they show up in. Um, you know, as just recurring guests. They're wonderful, but they're also suspicious as hell. Yeah. Are are they comic relief? How are they just conveniently everywhere? Yeah. They're always there. And and I'm particularly suspicious of Mrs. A um, because of the way that she came up to Lauren and, and her crew, you know, Will and Kim, outside of the police station. They just finished having... That was the first day that Loon had left, I believe, uh, one of their folders uh, for McTrevor, the first person that they were nabbing. And so that was the first time that the police were interacting and even, like, having an internal discussion about Loon. And so this Lady A, uh, Mrs. A, I guess, she is outside the police station freely talking about Loon uh, and and the fact that it might be a woman. You know, just like, uh, it sounds, oh, we heard footsteps on the roof. It sounded like a man and a woman. Um, and, and it's just, it was oddly accurate <laughs> like how how does mrs a know that much <sighs> that is a great great question i don't know but anyway this could be the butler could be mrs a could, could be, be the butler yeah so maybe they're all connected in some way it's just really interesting to think about um and and even you know in the royalty there are some suspicious um people that the monarch has around him we haven't really gone into that yet we've only really had one episode that's showcased them so far but it's interesting it's fascinating to think about i know i'm sure even more characters are going to pop up in season two probably we'll learn about yeah so we'll just have to see where this goes um yeah there's a lot of unresolved plot points too with the Apostle Seven's uh, weapons import plan. Yeah. And then a lot of other plot uh, points, like the circus ticket, for one, and uh, Viscount Redcliffe's uh, event on the 17th of February. Yeah. So and we'll, have we'll to just see. have to find out in Season 2. Yeah. Super excited. Speaking of Season 2, what are you looking forward to most? Man, I really want to see. <laughs> I'm I'm so curious about those office shenanigans that are going to happen and just that tension, that simmering tension that's just going to exist with Lauren and Kieran in the same space. I'm really excited about that. And um, I'm very excited to find out more about um, some of these plot points that have been left hanging um, with the weapons import mission, what the leader's plan is. I'm really curious about what they're going to do with um kieran's assignment to find loon how they're going to resolve that because that's pretty major um kieran has never been known to miss a target before so we'll have to see what solution they come up with there's a first time for everything true yeah and i'm looking forward to more development of lauren and kieran's relationship more development of the characters in general I'd like to see more Grumpy Cat. I love him. He's great. Hopefully with some coffee in him. Hopefully. 
Yeah. Yeah. I I want to see the confrontation, the showdown, the yeah. battle of characters slash egos slash whatever you want to call it between Kieran and Lauren. It it had some time to stew over, and they kind of went off and did their own things for a little bit. But it's going to come to a head. They work in the same office. They're gonna have to confront each other, and I really want to see how that plays out. Yeah, I'm really excited too. I mean, like we've been talking about, their relationship is really the core of this webtoon. It's the tension that's kind of stringing everything along and pushing it forward. So, it's I'm really excited for season two. I'm excited and and scared, anticipating. <laughs> but scared for all of the ups and downs that we're going to get. I think it's going to be really good and I'm really excited to read it. I think we've reached the end of all the topics we wanted to hit. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about, Crudy? For the moment, I don't think so. I think we'll have more in the future, but I think that'll be for some future podcast episodes. Or for season two, maybe? Oh, yeah. We're definitely going to be doing that. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yep. Look out for it. Um, Thanks, everyone, for sticking around and listening to our season one thoughts. Uh, If you want to find us on social, you can check us out on Twitter at The Webtoon Room. And you can also email us at thewebtoonroom at gmail.com. So reach out to us, mail us your theories. If you have them, we love discussing webtoons. And uh, thanks, everyone, for checking us out today. Thank you very much. See you next week.